Father, we thank you for your blessings. Thank you for this day. God, we do thank you, Lord, for your house where we can come and worship you. Father, we praise you, God, Lord, that you've, you filled the house up this morning. And, uh, Lord, I, I know that uh, by our standards, Lord, uh, it may be full or it may be empty, Lord, but I believe you bring those folks in that you desire to be here. And so, God, those that are here this morning, we pray that you would lift them up. I ask you that you should encourage them. Lord, we pray that, Lord, if someone came in this morning downhearted, Lord, we pray that you would lift their hearts, lift their spirits. Lord, somebody came in here damaged. Lord, if somebody came in here damaged this morning, God, I pray that you'd just draw them close to you. Lord, I pray that you'd repair them, Lord, before they walk out into this world. God, we ask you, Lord, to you help that one that may be lost. God, we pray you'll save them before it's too late. Lord, that one, Lord, that they're on the mountaintop. Everything's going good. Lord, everything's sunshine and roses. Father, we praise you for that. But God, I ask you, God, that you'd equip them this morning for the valley ahead. Father, we pray you'll do a work in our hearts. We thank you. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to start in Psalm chapter number 34, verse number 6. Psalm 34, verse number 6. That uh, That's not really my text verse by any means, but it is my life verse. And uh, as such, I just feel compelled to read that. Uh, it says, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. And um, it describes, this verse, it describes my condition. He said, this poor man cried, and, and I was poor. The songwriters write it like I uh, was wretched and vile, and I was poor. There was nothing that I had that could amass to anything. It, it describes my condition, this poor man cried. But then it says that the Lord heard him. This describes my consideration. I'm glad that one day I cried on the Lord and He heard me. Amen. I'm glad that He considered who I was and decided that He would hear me anyway. Oh, my goodness. I'm thankful today that there's a lot of folks that have turned aside and they, they said, let's just forget about Jamie Burke. But I'm glad that God never has. Amen. I'm glad that He heard my cry. Uh, but then it says, just, just notice this, curse this, Kurt, this is what I was trying to tell you the other day. It says, the Lord heard him. Now, if you've got a King James Bible, you'll see that the Lord is all capital. I've told you that before. It means Jehovah. And C.I. Schofield said that Jehovah is distinctly the redemption name of deity or of God. And so when you see Jehovah in Scripture, it's usually just before or it's usually during, about to run, or it's right after a deliverance, a redemption from God. And the psalmist says, he said, this poor man cried, and the Lord, Jehovah, the self-existent one is what that means. The one that is there when we're in the valley and on the mountain. The one that's there with us. We're in the hog pen or in the, in the king's palace. He's there. He says, the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his trouble. So we see it, uh, it, it, it describes my condition and describes my consideration, but I'm glad that it describes my concern. There were some troubles. My troubles weren't necessarily 
uh, earthly by any means. I'm sure I probably had some even as a young man, but my, my troubles were spiritual. There were things that I could not do anything about. There are things that I could not get forgiveness by anyone other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm glad that in this verse it describes my concerns. This now brings us to our text over in Psalm chapter number 40. And we're just going to kind of go phrase by phrase. But uh, I often repeat my testimony to myself. And uh, it, just, just quietly to myself. I'm not talking uh, out loud. Sometimes I guess I may. But uh, this is not uh, contrary to popular belief. It's not because I've lost my mind. Uh, it's not because I'm scared I'll forget. Uh, it's because, really, it's because of who's listening. Um, I, sometimes Satan will nudge up next to me and, and he'll start causing me to doubt, maybe try to start, maybe even lead me into temptation. And I, I just have to start back all the way at the... Hmm, got to start back at the cross and say, Devil, you remember back then... <laughs> And I'm glad that what Jesus did on the cross still works today, amen? And so um, i, I got to remind the devil what God's done. But then uh, a lot of times we put blame on the devil, which he ain't got nothing to do with it. It's ourselves. And, and every once in a while i got to remind myself what God's done for me. And, and so today, if this is not for anybody else, this is for me. Uh, I preached it so fast that I couldn't even hear my own self the other day. So I'm just going to kind of go slow. We're going to put it in about second or third gear. And we're going to just kind of cruise through this thing and see what the Lord will show us. All right? Y'all ready? Say amen. amen. Number one, I want you to notice, let's just read our text, the first three verses of the book of Psalms, chapter number 40. I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also, I love that word also, He brought me up also out of an horrible pit out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and established my goings. And he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it, and fear, and shall trust in the Lord. And so, let's jump right in headlong here. Let's notice this very first phrase. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. This word patient, or excuse me, this word waited, it means to look eagerly. It means to bind all the hopes that we have together. And it means that everything, we've taken all these hopes, all our desires in this waiting, and we've put it all in one condition, and we're eagerly depending on someone to hear us. There was no more that I could do. He says, I waited patiently. He said, I've gone to the edge of my road and I found that there was nothing more that I could do. He said that I've climbed as tall as I could climb or as high as I could climb and there was no higher that I could go. He said I've climbed down as low as I could climb and there was no way that I could get any lower. He says I've waited patiently on the Lord. And this word waited, it carries that idea how that all other uh, avenues have been exhausted. He says I've waited patiently. Now, I surely intended to find something deep here on this word patient. How about it means to expect? Uh, if you look at the original language that this was written in, it is the exact same 
word as waited. It literally says, I am waiting on waiting on the Lord. He Again, he establishes the fact that he can do nothing else. Uh, the, this is no error on the, on the, uh, um, on the translation here at all. Uh, but rather this, uh, emphasizes this second waiting. Remember it says, I waited patiently, or he's waiting, waiting on the Lord. Brother Bobby, this second waiting, it does not negate the first, but rather it emphasizes it. He says, when I could do nothing for myself, my only hope was to eagerly wait upon the Lord. Amen. And I want you to notice the spelling of the word Lord. It is Jehovah. Amen. He says there is coming. He said there is coming a deliverance. I will expect a deliverance from the deliverer. I will expect redemption from the redeemer. Amen. He said he called him Jehovah, Kaylee. He wasn't waiting on anybody else to name him. He said, I'm waiting on Jehovah. And I'm waiting patiently. I've done everything else, Eric, I can do. All I can do now is depend upon Jehovah. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. Then we look next and we see he inclined. Y'all still with me? He inclined unto me. I've always attributed this inclining as a picture of bending. Matter of fact, I've, I've even made the illustration that if you have a recliner, you are doing just that. You are reclining. You're leaning back. And so the picture that I've often painted is God doing the opposite, Stanley. And it's moving Goodness gracious. It's moving. It's bending over. It's bending forward. But as I began to look, and this is about where I I kicked the back end out of my choir robe this morning. Uh, it, it goes a little bit deeper after studying this little inclined word. Uh, it, uh, it, it does mean to go deeper. It does mean to stretch or to bend as we've just illustrated. And this proves my own point. It, uh, by definition, it does mean to bend over, to incline towards something. Uh, but Brother Jim, it means so much more. It It means so much more. It literally means to stretch out. It means to get on to the same level with someone. If you will, it means that you're down here as low as you can go. And you're crying out to God. And you're waiting patiently on the Lord. And God says, Son, I hear you. And I know that you're there. But just to prove it, I'm going to get down there with you. Hey, Hey, I said time out to shout. Amen. And for me to get back up. Miss Samantha, no matter how far down you get, the Lord will incline unto you <laughs> and get right down there with you. Amen. There's been a few times when my daughters have done something wrong, and I've had to, I've had to uh, discipline them somehow. And and uh, at the time, I towered over them when they were younger, and uh, I would get down and I would point my finger down like this, brother David, and and I'm sure that I, that was that. It invoked fear. Here's this giant and he's reaching down and he's pointing. But every once in a while, Brother David, the Lord would say, just get down there with her. And I tell you, without a word of lie, every time I'd get down with her and look eyeball to eyeball, it's as if God would begin to wrench my heart and grip my heart and said, this is what I... Whoa. 
This is what I did for you. I got down there where you were so that I can lift you up. Good God Almighty. Hey, I'm telling you, He inclined unto me. Woo! Isaiah chapter number 59, verse number 1. Behold, the Lord's... Jehovah. The Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither His ear heavy that it cannot hear. Oh, goodness gracious. There's times that some people say it's selective hearing, but there's some times that I can't hear. Get in a big crowd or a lot of stuff, television, going this, that, and the other, and somebody talk to me. I don't hear them, Brother Eric. And uh, every, normally the person that I don't hear is the person that gets mad and say, well, it's just selective hearing. But I'm being serious. I can't hear amongst all of that. But it doesn't matter if every one of us cried out to God right now. Brother Stanley, he could hear you as you were the only one in here. Miss Leah, if you cried out to God right now, it didn't matter if everybody else was hollering at the same time. God can hear your little voice just as clear as a bell. That's God. He got down there with us. He inclined unto me. Then we look at this. He inclined unto me and heard my cry. Now, I done, I done asked some boys to help me. Done asked some boys to help me. I, want, I need you to listen to me. I want you to look at it again. This, we're still in first verse. And he inclined unto me, but hear this. He heard my cry. Now, I've told you sometimes I define something and, and the definition confuses me more than the first. So I define this this morning. This cry, it means to halloo. What? Yeah, Bradley, do you know what halloo is? No. I remember watching it on the fox and the hound. They say, blue halloo. I remember that. That's the only time I've ever heard it. And I never did know what it meant. Listen to this. It is a cry or a call used to incite dogs to chase during a hunt. I asked Bobby to help me right here. Bobby, what do you do to call them dogs? Woo! Come here, help! Do it one more time. Woo! Come here, help! Now, Eric, I, I told you I might not, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it anyway. How do you call your dogs? Help, help, help! I ain't got no dog. I'm just going to start just help! My right, brother John Den. Yeah, yeah. Woo! Come here. What they were doing is they were, I'm being serious. That is hallooing. That is calling. That is causing a dog to get excited to go further. I'm about to run. To go further into the hunt. And so what he says here, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me and heard my halloo. He heard my Call for God to come and help to come hunting. What he was, good God, what he was saying is, Lord, I need you. Lord, I'm over here. Lord, help me. Lord, save me. Lord, come and get me. Lord, get me out of this mess. I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. Woo. Kind of wish I had a dog. Just be me and him. Up in the middle of the night, hallooing to one another. Amen. Hurry up! Come save me. One of them preachers preached the other night. Very last man, I don't even know his name. He got up there and preached. He was kind of stoic. 
come find out he was a police officer. He was real proper, prim. He got up and preached, and he was talking, preaching out of John chapter 21, but he was leading up to all that, and he was leading up to Peter uh, being asked by the Lord there in the end of John 21, Peter, do you love me? But he said, remember now, Peter denied the Lord three times. But he said, you've got to remember before that, I believe it was the same man, he said, you've got to remember before that, it was Peter that walked on the water. It was Peter that, that literally got out of the boat, put his foot on the water, and was standing on the water. But it says, he began, or beginning to sink, he cried, Lord, save me. He said, I don't know how deep he was when he cried, Lord, save me. But as soon as he began to sink, he began to call on the Lord. Listen to me. You might be here this morning and you need to cry out to the Lord. Honey, as soon as you feel that foot slip, soon as you feel the water overtaking you, soon as you see feel sin get a hold of your heart, go ahead on and cry out to the Lord. Lord, save me. He said, Woo! What is doing? He's hallooing. Lord, save me. Number two, number verse number two. We're actually on verse number four. We're running well. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay. Now, like most of y'all, I was in a fix. He says, I was in a pit. And in the bottom of that pit, there was miry clay. Think for a moment. The potters during that time. They, they, they would find a place that had good clay and they would dig until they could not reach the bottom anymore without endangering themselves. They would get that clay out and, and they would begin to mold it and make it and do what they needed to do. And this picture is a man that has fallen into that pit and his feet are stuck firm in that pit. And he can't move. The more he moves, he gets deeper and deeper into it. He can't reach the edge or the ledge of the pit. And he can't reach the walls of the pit because he's stuck firm in this. But all of a sudden, that Jehovah that got down there where he was, oh, goodness gracious, he says, he brought me up also out of an horrible pit. This also is in reference to him hearing us. Him hearing us is a miracle of itself. Amen? Uh, But then he says, He also brought me out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. He says, He got down there with me. He got down in the pit with me. He got dirty with me and lifted me up. That ought to do something for you. What sin were you called in? That's where Jesus came. We'll say that one more time. Think back, maybe think back to the time you were saved and whatever sin that was in. Or think back to the time sin has just plumb overcome you and you were just, you, you were at the end of your rope. You couldn't do anything but cry out to God. Think back to that time and know that that's when He inclined unto you. That's when He got down on your level and He lifted you out of that miry pit and out of that horrible clay. He was... Stuck, filthy, too low to climb out, needed to be lifted up, I needed to be pulled up, I needed to be pulled out. Nobody in the pit with me could help me. They were stuck too. 
There's no way that we could get out there. All of us could be in that pit and, and we're all stuck. We just couldn't get out. There's nobody in, in there with me that could help me out. There's nobody up there that was strong enough to be able to overcome that, that, that uh, natural suction on, on me, which is sin. Sin will take you far farther than you want to go. Come on. And so it had me bound. And so no passers-by could help me out. But there came one. There came one. And he was the only one that could reach. Remember that old song when he reached down his hand for me? He's the only one that could have done it. Remember earlier I said He's the only one that could take away the sins of the world. He's the only one that could die and give us liberty and give us freedom. He's the only one that was capable because of a sinless life and a glorious death and a wonderful resurrection. He is the only one that could come to where we are and lift us up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, overcome the filth, overcome the sin, overcome all all of those things within that pit and lift us up to where He is. Next, we see that He set my feet upon a rock. Number five. He set my feet upon a rock. There's an old hymn. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and His righteousness. I can't remember all the rest of the words, but it says, All other ground is sinking sand. And I've said this before. I love it when a songwriter stutters. He said, that's so good. I'm going to write that again. He repeated himself. All other ground is sinking sand. This rock that we see here in chapter number 40, verse number 2, this is Jesus Christ. Jesus said there in Matthew chapter number 16, uh, He called out to His disciples and said, Who do men say that I am? And uh, they said, well, some say that you're Isaiah, some say that you're this or that and the other. And he looked at Peter and he said, Peter, who, who do you say that I, the Son of Man, am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then in verse number uh, 18, Jesus said, I say unto thee that thou art Peter. Thou art Peter. And this is that word that means a stone or a pebble. Thou art Peter. But he says, upon this rock... I will build my church. That rock that he's building his church was not upon the man called Peter, but it was upon the statement that Peter made. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And upon the very fact of himself, Jesus says on this, on the fact that I am the Son of God, I will build my church. He said, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Walking in the graveyard this morning. That's not something that I normally do. I was walking through there and I looked at every single one of the graves. All the way back yonder. <clears throat> There's one that's got a little fence around it and it's got a gate in it. And now why they put a gate around graves, I don't really know. Maybe somebody smarter than me can help me out. But I don't understand it. Because one of these days. If they're saved, they're going to be resurrected. They're coming up out of there. They're going vertical. They ain't going horizontal. They ain't going to try to get out of that gate. I'm sure it's to keep bad folks out. Maybe keep animals out. I don't know. But there's a little latch. And you just barely move that little latch. And that gate will go right in. You can just bound right in. 
if they, if they wanted people to stay out, if they wanted vandals to stay out, maybe they shouldn't have put a, a gate, maybe just fence it in. But Jesus says, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I should have looked it up, but the Scripture says that hell is enlarging itself every day, something to that effect. And so those gates of hell is never going to intrude upon the church of God. It's never going to gain ground on the church. Y'all need to hear me what I'm saying. The gates of hell, yes, it's going to expand. There's more people that has went and that are going to hell than has and will go to heaven. But the gates of hell will never overtake heaven. It will never overtake the saints of God. Y'all hear me. I said it will never overtake the saints of God because we're built on the rock. We're on the rock. We're standing on the rock. Amen. And because we're on the rock, which is Jesus Christ, right? Because of that, no matter what happens down here, the gates of hell will never prevail against us. It will never prevail against Him. Oh yeah, this building, it might burn down. Somebody might drive off the road going 100 miles an hour plow into this building. We may have to demolish it. I don't know. But the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. It's not going to do it. He says, He hath put my feet upon a rock. He and set my feet upon a rock. It goes on and says, He has established my going. I said this the other night. Very quickly, I'm just going to kind of run through it. I, I, I know I'm not perfect. And, and I, I fall all the time. But it was God that has directed my paths. I was saved when I was 12, just after I had my 12th birthday. Then the next year, I had my 13th birthday, and I was called to preach. Um. And even as a 13-year-old, I could tell that my paths were directed. Things didn't go into place like they did for some of my other friends. And it, it was, I've always attributed, I mean, even recently, I've always said, well, it's just because I was unpopular. And I probably was. I don't doubt that. But the reason I was not popular is because I was on a different path than everybody else. Y'all hear me? I need you. This side, y'all hear me on this side? And I could remember being at school and somebody on the rare occasion, Brother Jody, they would say, hey, we're having a party over. I'm, not, I'm talking about we were in middle school, so it wasn't a wild party, but we're having a birthday party or something like that. Do you want to come over? Well, I knew just enough about their parents to know what kind of party it would end up being as a 13, 14-year-old boy. And something in my heart, Brother Lee, said, no, you better not go. As I got older, Allie, same thing began to happen. My wife is back there. If anybody, she's the pretty one back there. Not the none of y'all. She's, she's on the fourth row. I just, jury, retract that statement. Just scratch that statement. She's back there. She, so I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be funny. But there were girls that I was attracted to during that time. And we began to date, Brother Jody. But on every date, there was 
I said Brother Jody, but I'm looking at Brother Terry. Brother Terry. But as we would date, on every single date, there was something that was, this ain't where you need to be. The last girl in, in, in Florida that I dated, it, for me, it, it ended bad. And for whatever reason, God directed my path from Hollister, Florida, from 227 Walker Road, Hollister, Florida. He moved me, I think it was six, a little over 600 miles to 1122 Bays Mountain Road in Knoxville, Tennessee. I had some family up there, Nick, but I didn't really know anybody. Only saw them once a year. It's not like we were best friends. We moved up there. But I had no idea, Stanley, that just you pull out of my driveway and you go not even a quarter of a mile and there's a little single wide house up on the, on the hill. And that's where God directed my path to that little girl that lived there. And I'm glad I got the first little girl because the rest of them are ruined. One of them's right back there. That middle one. Y'all can say it. She ain't here. That middle one. She's pulled up. Running. Had no idea. I'm telling you, bro, it's not a lie. Had no idea where I was going to go to church. And, and, and I went. Some of my family, Brother Terry, went to a few different churches. And there was one about this size. And it was, it was nice. It was just kind of country folks. And it was nice. But it still didn't fit right. God directed my path. And it wasn't there. And I went to another church, and they had some screens on the TV. This was in the early 2000s, but they still had some screens. They put the lyrics up. It wasn't crazy like some of the stuff now. But I had that up, and, and they, were, they were singing out of a, a different book than this one, but they were good songs, but it just didn't feel right. Preacher got up there, and he didn't hack, and that's what I was used to. And he didn't snort, and he didn't use a handkerchief. He was prim and proper, and just wasn't used to that work then. But still, God was, wasn't leading me there. You pull out of my house. You go left, you go to my wife. You go right, you go to my church. About a quarter of a mile down the way, there was a little church, unassuming, nothing really much. And I walked in, kind of like this couple walked in during Sunday school, and the preacher didn't know it then, but the preacher was down here, and he was, he was, I don't know how to describe his preaching. He was kind of hacking, but kind of not. But he was teaching Sunday school. And I said, oh, I done got in here on the, on the preaching hour. So I just sat back there where Brother Jim sitting. And he, he kept talking about his buddy named Marvin. And I said, I'm going to find out who Marvin is. That's what I thought he was saying. He was saying, my friend. And it ended up he was translated as my friend. So I asked. I said, who's Marvin? And they said, no idea. I'm well, maybe I'll ask the preacher. Well, come find out. He was one of my best friends. He was my preacher. He was my pastor. Had no idea. No idea, Katie. He was my wife's papa. I said God directed my paths. He established my goings. <laughs> Lord God, I can go on and on and on. <laughs> come down here on vacation. I, I got to tell you this. We come down here on vacation. We're poor. I'm still stuck in Psalm 34, 6. This poor man cried. We're poor, boy. Still poor. 
The poor man cried. We'd come down here on vacation. First time I remember coming down here on vacation was during camp meeting. Probably 2000, 2001, me and Daniel Day. Goofball Daniel Day. We stayed with um, um, your cousin, uh, Eddie. Um, Eddie Ruiz over yonder in the cabin. And then after that, we'd come down. Lori and I got married. Didn't have nothing. Tanya and David, y'all let us stay over at your house in the subdivision over here. Then they bought the, they, they built the mansion over here. They built their house over there. It was a mansion to me. And we got to stay up in it. Man, alive. I was upstairs. I was king of the castle upstairs. I said, yes, sir. This is where it's at. We'd come down here and uh, loved, loved the people. Couldn't remember nobody's name from year to year, but I loved everybody. Still can't come on. <laughs> he established my goings. Now, listen. Two years before the Lord moved us down here, two years before, we're down here and we were riding around and God put the area on my heart for some reason. And Samuel, Lori and I had talked. If the Lord ever moved us from that church up there, we would just move down here. We would move. We, this is where we were going to live the rest of our life. This is where this was going to be. Everything's going well up there. Two years come down here on vacation. And for whatever reason, I found myself you know, there ain't a whole lot to do in America. So need somebody to help me right there. So I'd get in the car and I'd just drive around America. And I remember going down Taylor Street. And I remember going down Lee Street. And some of those streets. And God put this community on my heart. The next year we came down here. This was the year before Brother Dent resigned or the year of that. And we met it. Brother John and I met at Granny's Kitchen, I think is where it is. Right there on the corner by that little gas pump. And brother, brother John would cry a while, and I'd cry a while. We were just talking. We was rejoicing. That was in June. And that, that weekend or whatever time it was, God put the church on my heart. Well, that's weird. He established my going. Two or three months from there, I got a call. Another month, I made a call and said the answer is yes. Two weeks later, we were down here. Two weeks later, we were down here again. A month and a half later, God moved us down here. He established my goings. I don't even know if I told you the name of the message. I have not forgotten. Miss Tanya, come to the piano. I told you I was going to do something, and I forgot to tell you. But first one, put it in C. <clears throat> he established my going, and he hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. There's I was talking to a gentleman outside, and was talking about country music, and uh, there's some of those old songs that's still kind of in my mind somewhere. Talking about Hank Williams Sr. I can still think of some of those. I was thinking about old George Jones the other day. He stopped loving her today. So they're still up there. But ain't none of those songs in my heart no more. There's a song like it as well. When peace like a river attendeth my 
Established a new song in my mouth. What about uh, maybe A flat, Rock of Ages? Could my tears for ever flow? Could my
I'm not going to sing these because we've already sang them this morning. But what about what what about uh, I know my name is there. My name once stood with sinners lost <laughs> and bore a painful record, but by His blood the Savior crossed and placed it on His roll. I know, I know, my name is there. The little kids sang, "God is so good. God is so good. God is so good to me." Brother David and them, they sang the song, I have not forgotten God's only begotten and the price that He paid for my sin. I must not forget with joy, not regret, He died on the cross for all men. Well, I tell you, I'm glad this morning that He hath put a new song in my mouth. Brother David, if you could come and lead us in a song after that, you would pick one of those or... Make one up on the fly. Don't matter to me. It says, Even praise under our God. Many shall see it in fear and shall trust in the Lord. I mentioned this the other day. Didn't none of them know me? I've only, only know about three or four of them. I can't remember exactly. But they don't know who I was. Y'all don't know who I was. My wife, we've been married for 20 years this year, and she don't know who I was. Y'all know who I am, but not who I was. But God knows who I was. I said God knows who I was and He still loves me. Amen. He loved me back then and He loves me today and He'll love me tomorrow. Can I tell you this morning, if you're in sin, if you're in that valley, if you're in that uh, that pit, if you're in that muck and that mire, I want you to know this morning that God loves you and that God wants to save you. He wants to incline unto you and hear your cry. His arm is not too short. His ear is not too heavy that He cannot reach down nor that He he cannot hear. He wants to help you this morning. Amen. I for one have not forgotten what God's done for me. And I'm glad. I'm glad. I can write it down in a book for all the world to see. I've given my public testimony some things you don't even know. And I hope you don't. But I've opened up before publicly. This is everything. Nothing else to hide. Those that were in attendance heard it. God moved. People came to the altar that morning. It was a youth Sunday. And I decided to preach. Just opened up. And God began to move. I sealed that thing up. Oh, Jody. Don't want anybody else to see it. Don't want anybody else to hear it. Don't want anybody else to read it. But in my heart, that story in its entirety is there in a little room. I'm going to try not to run out that back door. (laughs) But Stanley, every once in a while I'll go to that little door and I'll, I'll take all my keys out. And I'll pull all those padlocks off. Put that final key in there and I'll open that little thing. I begin to look in there and all that pain comes back. All that shame, all that regret begins to come back. But there's a gentle hand that reaches over and just beyond me and shuts the door. Begins to lock every one of those back. I says, son. You don't need to look in there anymore. 
I'm standing. He grabs me. I'm trying to look in that door. He grabs me. Puts my back against that door. And he said, now look at everything else. <laughs> Sometimes we focus what's behind the door. That God's already forgiven. He's already wiped it clean. We got to held back in a closet somewhere. And look at all the rest that God's given to us. I have not forgotten what he's done for me. Let's stand.